Well, good morning, everybody. It's always good to hear you guys say good morning. I'll be honest. It's always a wonderful thing. <clears throat> I was telling somebody on Wednesday night, or Wednesday during prayer time last week, I said it's sometimes the most awkward things when you preach, because during COVID, I always had to do Wednesday night services in a pitch black sanctuary, preaching to nobody in the seats except for to a camera. Let me tell you right now, that is not a fun thing to ever do. It's hard because, you know, when you preach, you want to hear some interactions. Can I get an amen? amen. See, that's, that's perfect. We're getting to get some practice going this morning. My computer is telling me it doesn't like me this morning. Oh, but anyway, it's so good to see you this morning. We're so glad that you decided to be here. I know that some are out this morning. I'm sure we'll find them and ask them, hey, why were you not at church this week? You know you need to be at church. I'm sure we're going to harass them. No, not really. I'm sure they have valid reasons why they couldn't be here, but, but it's always good to be here in the church. Let me, I can tell you right now, this week has been one of those fun weeks for us. We've been up in Cleveland for several days, off and on. We've been going back and forth, and it's just been one of those crazy weeks. But you know what? God sustains us through it all. Can I get an agreement? There we go. We got another amen. See, I told you we're going to work this out this morning. We're going to talk back. And those on the camera, you're allowed to put on, on, on those that are watching live stream, in the comment section. You're allowed to go and put those on there. I promise. I do read those. Like I know Sister Stephanie, she asked in the, in the live chat this morning that we would pray for her knee because it's swollen. She's got some arthritis kicking in. So remember St uh, Sister Stephanie in that aspect as well. Because I know arthritis is not fun. I'm only 40, and I already have it in my back, and it is definitely not fun. Let me tell you, when a thunderstorm comes in, it hurts. Can I get an agreement? See, we're working on it this morning. <laughs> I don't know. Where did I go with this? It seems, what is that showing out here? Is it showing the slide, or is it something else? I'll just ignore that part this morning because apparently this computer is getting glitches. And yes, prayer changes things, but it's not the title of the series this week. It's still on the church, but for some reason, technology and, and the devil want to get into it. And you know what? We're going to get right into the word this morning. Can I get an agreement? If you have your Bible, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And I can guarantee you, unless you have this type of Bible, this will make no sense. So you're probably going to read the screen too. Because I don't normally go out of the Message Bible all that often. Because I'll be honest, I go through the Message Bible and I get a little lost in it. It causes my ADHD to have squirrels left and right and up and down and every which way. But sometimes the Message Bible has a good application and a good point that we need to get into to actually understand what the text is trying to say. So if you have your Bible and you're ready, just say Amen. Right, I got it up on the screens too. Hopefully it's working at home. If not, just, just listen and follow along. It says, let, uh, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we are present, uh, presently inside and out. Let us find a firm grip to promise that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. Can I, get a, can I just say right now, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. As long as God spoke something, he always keeps his word. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. If he spoke it, he'll do it. Let me tell you, there have been moments in my life where he had to speak a word on me, and I'm going, God, are you sure? God, are you still there? God, are you doing? And he says, I said it, and if I said it, I will do it. And somebody needs to understand that. He always keeps his word. 
Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Let me say right now, we need to hear this word this morning. So, Father God, Lord, I ask that you just move upon my stammering lips. I ask that you speak in through me and use your spirit to take the words that you want me to speak this morning. And let it have it go into the itchy ears, Lord, that are open to receive this word, that need to understand the, the purpose that we're pursuing after, what we need to drive for. And let it be the edification, Lord, to encourage us, Lord. Because, God, we need you more in these moments and in these hours, in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You see, last week I started the series called The Church. And we said, what is the purpose of the church? But something that God was, I was doing my study on this whole aspect. He says, I want you to talk about function. And, I, and I'll be honest, the word function and the word purpose are almost the same thing, but they're different. A purpose is what drives you. A function is how you do so. And God said, I want you to speak about the function of the church. Not how the prayer changes things, but the function of the church. And, and, and one of the things that I was processing through it, I was like, okay, the function of the church. Okay, let's see here. How do we plan a church service out? That's the function of the church, right? We're like, okay, i got to get a worship team up here. They're going to sing music. i got to get the bulletins printed off. That's how we get the information out to people. I, I got to get a message presented. I got to get the AC on so that everybody's not dying of a heat stroke in the building in the mornings. Better yet, in the winter, we know up here we're going to have to make sure that boiler's lit and it's on fire and it's ready to go because we've come in here and the coats have been on and we're going, can you just be, we have to get the function and the preparation ready. Better yet, we have to have the function of how the outline works. We know that the welcome comes up where Brother Kenny comes up here and he greets everybody. And then whoever's doing the worship starts saying, let's sing and all these things. And then Brother Kenny gets up here and does the prayer time and then the offering. And, and then I get up here or whoever's doing the message does the message and then you're ready to go. And I say, let's just get done with the dismissal so I can get to my Bob Evans this morning and I can go get it before the rest of the Baptist churches get to it. It's because I don't want to wait in line. <sighs> See, we're getting some calisthenical amens going this morning. But the function of the church is not the order of service. The function of the church is far greater and far implications of, of how it works and processes. You see, this morning, I'm not dizzy. Last week, you don't realize, I had a bout of two weeks of dizziness where I felt like I was going to fall over, and I was standing to the pulpit holding on to it. This morning, I don't got no dizziness going on. I'm quite coherent and quite ready to just dance around a little bit because I'm a little excited about what God is trying to tell the church. How does the church function? And apparently, I forgot to mute my phone this morning. So I didn't function very well. <laughs> But most services run through their function of the order, and I've seen it. I've worked in churches. I know how they operate. I know how an order of the service works. We go through and we label out everything, so, so whoever's doing the monkey show knows how to do it. But the function of the church is not this. Let me tell you right now, at the bottom of every order of service I've ever done, I said, subject to change due to the Holy Spirit. I don't care about this. What I care about is the one that we're here to serve and worship. 
What I care about is those that come into the seats and that are in need. Because I know the church's main function, the thing that makes it work, is the fact that what the church is, is a place that is supposed to bring encouragement. You see, there was this theme song that came through my head as I was writing my sermon out, and I'm like, God, I can't put that in here. I know what the song's about and the theme song in the TV show. He says, go ahead and say it anyway. You've heard the song, and I guarantee you, if I start saying the lyrics, you're going to go, I know exactly what that is. It says, making your way in a world today that makes everything you've got, taking a break in all, from all your worries, sure would help a lot. But wouldn't you like to get away? Can you guess what song this is? Sometimes you got to go where everybody knows your name, where they've all glad you came. You see, we got to go to an understanding in a place that the church is meant to be more than what the themes of Song of the Cheers bartending show is all about. They were talking about how they're worried about it and they want to drink their sorrows away. I'm sorry, the church is meant to be a place where we understand that we don't have to drink our sorrows away. We can lift our sorrows away and cast them at the cross of Jesus. That's what we need to be. But so often... The function of the church, of the, the, the engagement that we're trying to pursue as, as an encouragement body is lost in the fact of a hierarchy that people somehow get into. Let me tell you, I know people that come into the church and they walk in and they're like, what is going on? Last week I told you, sometimes it's easier to get into a country club than it is a church. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier to get into heaven than it is to even get into a pew. Why is that? Because there's a pro an improper order that's going on in the world today, within the churches today. And that's why God says we need to reevaluate what the church is. You see, when I look out, you know what I see? Equals. And your smiling face, Tracy, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. But I see equals. When I look, when you look up at me, I'm like, I'm sure you guys are like, he's so good. He's like the pastor. He's everything. He's awesome. He's got to hear from God all this time. And I'm like, you don't realize I struggle just like you a lot of the times. I have hardships just like you. I want to kill people. I'm sure just like you. <laughs> Lord knows, you know, I got five daughters. So, you know, that's a guarantee. Yes, Julie, you can laugh all you want this morning because I've got jokes to go. And they're not dad jokes this morning. Praise God. My kids will be like, dad jokes are horrible. But dad, tell me a joke. Becca came up to me the other day and says, hey, dad, you know 10 plus 10 is equal to 11 plus 11? I said, no, it's not. She says 10 plus 10 is 20. I said, okay. She says, but 11 plus any is 22. Ha, ha, ha. See, Sister Mitchell got it before the rest of you. <laughs> but it's funny. But the problem within the church is the function. You see, what I was talking about is people come into the church and they don't realize that the person sitting next to you is dealing with the same issues that you are in a lot of times, and they're not always the exact same, but they're similar. We're all dealing with hurts. We're all dealing with stress. Let me tell you right now, if you're not dealing with stress in this economy right now, I can tell you you're a liar or you're just really rich. And if you're really rich, I want to befriend you really good right now. No, I'm just joking. I'm really just joking. 
But we're all dealing with the struggles in all these aspects. But the people in the church think that we have to be higher than those. We have to be different than those, than those in the world. Let me tell you right now, I'm not different than the world. The only thing that made me different than the world, the only thing that makes a Christian different than the world is the fact that we don't carry the burdens like they do. The only thing that makes us different is that we know where we're going and we have a word of encouragement that's over top of our lives. They're walking around saying, can I, can I get away where somebody knows my name, where I can go dry, uh, drown out the sorrows and my shame? I'm sorry. I'd rather come into a place where I can get an encouragement, where I'm not always getting intoxicated, where I'm not always getting worried about a struggle and a doubt or a discouragement that I'm dealing with, but where I can find hope and hope that's going to go far exceedingly and abundantly where I'm not at. Can I get an amen on that one? I told you I love this church because this church, I keep getting told, is like a family. They walk in. Oh, I, they, it's like, they, like I'm family when I walk in. Oh, it's like I come into this place and we're like family. You guys are just so warm and loving. And I'm like, that's what the church is. I can't hold that against this church. But I've been in churches where they've not held that same standard. If you're not part of their it crowd, if you're not part of their group, if you're not part of what they call is worthy enough, then you're ostracized to the back seat. Let me tell you, Jesus himself in the scripture, he looked at him and he says, is it better that you sit in the place of honor or is it better that you sit in the back of the bus and then get put in that place of honor? I'm sorry, when I look at the scriptures and I hold up to my account to where I'm walking in this life, I'm looking at myself going, God, I am not worthy of a title of pastor. God, I am not worthy of called a son of God. God, I'm not worthy of this. Let me be like the prodigal son. Lord, if you will just let me be the servant in your house and eat from your food at your table, let me find hope in that. See, the church needs to understand we can only find our hope when we actually put ourselves low. When we put ourselves low. But that's not a place that humanity likes to go. Oh, I don't have no issues. Oh, nothing's wrong with my life. Oh, so, I'm so sorry for you. I just have never dealt with anything in my life. I'm perfect, pristine, and never hurt. We put ourselves in these mass situations. Like I said, I'm humble, real, and open, and transparent in every other aspect. You don't want to know every bit of details of my life, but I'm going to be honest as, as much as I can where it's not going to make you want to just kick me out the church. Are you ready for this? I'm a mess. Let me guess. You're a mess, too. I have to be real. I have to be open. I have to be transparent. i got to be hot. That's the only way I can ever get turned on to God and start pursuing after what it is. See, the word of encouragement that has to come in and through the body is one that says, come on in, the water's fine in here. We're all comfortable. We're all, we're all good. You're more than welcome to come in and join us and get a good bath coming on. Come on, get into the church. Start hearing that you are just not as broken as you think. We're all the same broken. We're all the same dysfunction. We're all pursuing after an end goal that we haven't achieved yet. I say that already? We haven't achieved it yet. I know I was talking with somebody more recently in the ministry, and they said, you know, we used to preach back in the day that once we got you saved and baptized, you were achieved, and you had arrived. And I'm like, I got saved, I got baptized, and I got struggles still. How did I arrive at anything good in that aspect? And I realized 
that the church that's going to be a vessel that actually pursues the message of what Jesus ever spoke is always going to be one that's based on this one true nature. Romans 3, or 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned. What? All have sinned? Can I say that again? You've all sinned, just like the pastors all sinned. Just like our overseeing Bishop Tim Hill has already sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Those are some harsh words for the world to hear today. Those are harsh words for those in the church to hear today. I've fallen short and, and, and I'm not worthy of the glory of God. What? How is that possible? How can I get a word of encouragement in that? How can I show the true function of the church, which is meant to be like a hospital room where we see people coming in saying, I am not worthy to even pick up anything that I have because I'm not worthy because of the sin I carry. But when we look in the context of where that scripture comes out of in 21 through 24, it says, But now apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law of the prophets. That is, God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. But now, apart from the law of God's righteousness has been revealed and attested to, by the law of the prophets. That is, God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. We're all broken. We're all struggling. We all need a word of encouragement. Let me tell you right now, there are days in my life where I need my wife to say that I'm handsome. Because somebody called me ugly and it makes me happy or sad. And I go, honey, just tell me I'm beautiful. She hates it when I do that. But there are times in this life that we need people in the church to come in here and say, it's going to be okay. I know you're dealing with it, but it's going to be okay because of what Jesus says. In the end, we don't have to worry about this. In the end, when it's all over with, when we take our last breath, we're in the glory of heaven, and we're watching and, and, and pursuing after God and worshiping God in all true and honesty without a spot of blemish on us. But we struggle. But the church is meant to be an encouragement. The best word of encouragement is by faith, Jesus Christ can do so much more than you ever could. By faith, Jesus can reveal so much more. You see, the church's function and purpose as the body of believers, as we understand it, is to be a church where we are all the same and we are all truly pursuing after Jesus with everything that we have and everything that we can do. And we, as we pursue the name that is above every other name, and his name is Jesus in all aspects. But John 13, 34 and 35 says, I give you a new commandment, church. The function that's going to bring through is this commandment to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, and if you love one another. Church, we can only do things when we encourage people with true love. My kids, they know I love them. They come up to me, they called me mean, they called me fat, and I'm like, they're, oh, they're going to get whomped. That kid, I don't want to know who their name is. They're going to get, they're going to get it. But I'm looking at them, I'm like, i got to show Christ's nature. The flesh nature says, I'm going to go attack their parents and that kid. I wasn't always saved. Come on, people. Like I said, we all got that whole falling short thing going. But it's by faith that I looked at the, my daughter and I said, honey, they're a liar. They don't know who you are. You're beautiful. 
You're perfect. You're unique. And you're who God designed you to be. Now, take that in confidence. Sometimes that, that, that comes through the words. But a lot of the times it's by our actions and love. Love is not easy. There are people in this world that I love, but I hate. I'm not saying names, but there are people that I love, but I hate. But God says I got to love them, so I got to love them to heaven, don't I? I got to be nice to them because God says love them. And I'm like, God, do I really have to? No. But the only way the church can ever make a difference is by the encouragement of love. You see, the seats are empty in this pews. People are more than welcome to come in. And this church has been doing a phenomenal job of loving people as they come in. It doesn't matter if they stink. It doesn't matter if they look bad. It doesn't matter if they don't believe what we believe all the way. We still love them as we try to walk them closer to the name above all names, to the one that's worthy of all praise, that his name is Jesus. You see, the model that we have to pursue after is that. See, that's the function of the church. That's how we get people into it. But then God hit me with a, a nice little curveball the other day when he said, i got to talk about another point. I said, God, I want to just talk about how we love people and we're awesome and if we love our neighbor as ourselves, they'll come into Christianity and, and, and they'll come to have that relationship, not just Christianity. They'll be only called Christians, little Christ. But as I was processing through it, what is going on? stance. So often we put ourselves on pedestals. We put ourselves in places that we're not meant to be. We put ourselves in the wrong placements. Could you imagine relationships out of placements? I mean, we did the whole relationship series, and it was something that was phenomenal, but could you imagine me going up to my wife saying, honey, I don't want to be the husband anymore. I want to be the wife. I want hair. I want it all. Yeah, let's go. Man, I haven't had hair since I was 20. Man, i got to go not go down that rabbit hole. But the whole fact is that there's a proper placement in the way that God has designed all of creation. We talked about how the sun revolves around, or the, the sun goes through the whole galaxy, but the, the whole planets that we revolve around on revolve around that sun that gives us the energy that provides heat and all that stuff within it. Just like in a marriage, a relationship, the husband has to be the one that God called him to be and do the jobs that he was called to do, just like the wife is. The husband is meant to be the protector, the head of the household. If you don't believe me, I got scripture references. Ephesians 5, 22 and 24 says, wives, submit to your husbands as the, as the Lord. Um, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and his, and is, his, is, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives also submit to your husbands. It just not mean that you have to be like, oh yes, I'll do whatever you want to, slave stuff. No, it just means that the husband is the head of the household and has to be the leader of the household. That's a proper placement and the structure within that relationship. Are you going, getting where I'm going? I'm getting drop jaws and people are going, I don't know what to do. And I know her wives are hitting their husbands saying, I'm not submitting to you. What I'm getting at is my wife is still called to be the nurturer within the household. That's how God put a placement in it. We're equals in all aspects of what we do. We do all the things together, but God has a placement within it. I'm meant to be the protector because I have the stronger body build, but genetically and all these different things. And my wife knows that. 
But even though she is still pursuing after her perfection and I am, we're still meant to have a proper placement and alignment within it. What I'm getting at here is that the church and its placement and its function is to not truly allow us to understand that the key to how we get through a life and all of it is to get ourselves ahead. We have to understand the proper placement within our lives. You see, so often, people put church in the wrong placement. Can I say that again? People put the church in the wrong placement. They're like, oh, I want to go on one Sunday a month. Okay? I'm glad you're here one Sunday a month there. Or we have the CEOs, church and Easter only. Though, you know, those people changing lives, the way that we see it doing a dynamic within the body of believers that are coming into one mind and one accord is by it puts us in the proper placement. You are not God. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but God said I had to highlight it and bold it in my notes. You are not God. But some people walk around in this world thinking, oh, I'm good. I'm perfect. I'm pristine. You see, I, I, I know some ladies that I, I, I've, I've met in this world, and they go, I spent four hours putting on my makeup, getting my heels on. My husband better worship me right now. And I was like, I don't know why God put that thought in my head. And I was like, God, are people really that vain that they put themselves above the proper placement where they think that they're worthy of worship, and yet they will not exalt the name of the Creator? where they will not exalt the name of Jesus Christ, who God put to be the name above all names? Would they, would they put themselves in the wrong placement? You see, the church's function is to put us in a proper placement. It's not meant that we worship ourselves. It's that we worship the one and true and only God with everything that we have. The scripture says to love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And yet we struggle. We're like, God, I want to love you with all my heart, but I can't give you all my strength. Lord, I want to love you with all my strength, but I'm not going to give you all my soul. My, my wife's got that soul. I can't give you that section. And God's saying, no, your proper placement that you have to learn is within this church and understand the function of how I can do some mighty work in you is to give it all. Could you imagine me up here going, God, I do not want to give you all of it, but I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Let me tell you, I've met some pastors that said, I faked it till I made it. And I looked at them and I said, that's a scary place to be. I don't admit to God anything that I don't admit to other people, that I'm a hot mess in a lot of days and I'm still working through this life, but yet I'm still doing what God's called me to do because he's anointed me right now and right here for this moment to tell you that the church has got to get its proper placement. Like I said, you are not God. I'm not God. I'm not worthy of praise and honor. I'm not worthy of anything. I know that my proper placement is to be called a servant in the house of my God. The scripture says I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tent of the wicked. So I always classify myself. Anybody ask me, what are you? I'm a doorkeeper. I'm a doorkeeper. I don't hold myself to any high esteem. I get to serve God just like you do. I get to worship God just like I do, or just like you do. I get to worship God in everything that I have. But something had to change within me. 
And what I keep hearing God say to tell the church, not just this body of believer, but whoever hears this message, whoever you go and tell this message to, it's time that we do a self-evaluation. Because if we don't get this function right, we get dysfunction. Dysfunction means the church dies. Dysfunction means the door is closed. Dysfunction means there's not new believers coming in. Dysfunction means that we are not here for anything worth eating. And that is, what are we worshiping? See, God says, I'm going to be seated on the throne in heaven no matter what. I put my son next to me. You're to worship his name. But you've got to do it with everything that you have. You've got to do it with everything you have. You see, there was a church out in England years ago, back in the 90s. And what happened in the church was they were seeing a dysfunction kick in. The pastor was looking around saying, how can I fix this dysfunction? He says, we got the greatest bands. Everybody loves the worship we got going on. They got the Hills song going on. They got like, like what we got going on at Bridge of Hope Church or New Life Church. They got all these great bands that are worshiping. And people get up out of their seat and you can see the tears going down their eyes. But there's a dysfunction going on because what you're not seeing is the transmission and the, the transformation of what my spirit does when I get into them. They're coming in broken, they're going out more broken. Just with more tears on their face. And so he started looking around and asking God, God, where is this dysfunction is and what can I do to fix it? And so he said, you know what? I'm going to change the worship. See, the proper placement's always going to come through over how we worship. How we worship. Let me tell you right now, this whole Sunday service, you know what this is called? It's not called church. It's called worship service. The whole part of it's worship. The welcoming people, greeting people in is called worship. The singing where we, we, we sing the songs and we exalt His name is worship. The way we give financially to support the church is worship. The way we pray for one another is called worship. The way you have to hear me tell you about a message of what God's trying to speak to you is worship. And the way we dismiss is called worship. But he looked at it and he says, the dysfunction I'm seeing is the way that, that we're emotionalizing the church. The way we're causing a dysfunction is because the hearts are not being transformed because of the worship. So he said, I'm going to take apart the band. I'm not going to let him get up here and do this. We're just going to start doing nothing but hymnals for a while. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, and I'm going to ask them to start singing the songs. And he started seeing a transformation. And a guy named Matt Redman, who is a singer in the Christian community now, he was witnessing this in his church, and he said, I wrote a song. I want to rape the song because I want to get the proper placement right. And you all know the song because it came out. And it says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you require. You search much deeper within than through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to a heart of worship because it's all about you, God. It's all about you. Jesus, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made it because it's all about you and it's all about you, Jesus. 
this, the words keep going on. It says, king of endless worth, no one can express how much you desire or deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is your every single breath. You see, the church has to understand the dynamic of proper placement is to understand that we're meant to worship God. Scripture tells us that if we don't cry out, the rocks will. I'm sorry, I don't want a rock crying out to God like like I should be doing it. I don't want no inanimate object that has no voice and no, no oxygen, no breath in my lungs that God put in me to give any more praise than I need to. That's where the church gets the proper function. It's when we start saying, God, it's not about me. I didn't just show up at church to get worshipped. It's about you. God, I look good today, but you're still better than me. God, I want to worship you with everything that I have. You see, that's the transformational function. I've seen churches that have great worship. They do nothing until they open the hearts to the Savior. They have nothing that's worth of anything until they start pursuing it. That's what the church needs to do. That's how the church needs to transform. It's about reaching out, but it's about reaching up. We need to start reaching up and true worship because of who God is. You see, the church's function is not meant to just merely feel better. I said it's an emotional encouragement that we bring in. But it's not about that. It's about getting to the high situation through the heartaches and the doubts. You see, God keeps telling the church, that we need to have our hearts changed by God so that we can see a new life. I can only imagine. But Abraham had a heart for God that he built a nation. Joseph had a heart for God that he saved his family's life and several others. Moses had a heart for God that led his people to freedom. David had a heart for God that changed his nation. Daniel had a heart for God that would change the hearts of kings. God had a heart for us that he sent his son. Jesus had a heart for mankind that he died on the cross for our sins. Peter gained a heart for God that allowed him to lead people to Christ in every way facet. Paul grew for his heart for Jesus that allowed him to write the majority of the New Testament. John had a love for Jesus that allowed him to endure such tremendous hardships like being boiled and poisoned and exiled, but that allowed him to understand to write the final book in our, in our Bibles that gives us the hope about what's going to happen. The question I want to ask for you and yourself is, what is, where is your heart at? What is it that it's worshiping? Do you have a heart for God that will lead others, change lives, and endure whatever it takes to get God the glory? If you'll stand with me this morning. Let me say that again. Do you have a heart for God that will lead others, change lives, endure whatever it takes? And let God get all the glory. If you'll sing with me this morning. See if it's going to work this morning. It started on its own.
See, that's what we need to have as a heart for worship. The proper function within the church is always going to come through the heart of the believers. The proper function of the church is to allow us to exalt God with everything we have, with everything that we own, with everything that we are, and let it be a worship that other people take notice of. That's what I've seen as the difference. That's what I've seen as the hope for the world. It's not because of where we think we are. But it's the fact that we humble ourselves and bow on every knee and exalt the name that's above every other name. That's where the transformation happens. That's where the the change occurs. Is if we can answer the question, God, I will lead others if you'll just change my heart. God, I'll see lives transformed as my heart is being moved closer to you. God, I'll endure whatever it takes because you'll empower me through your spirit. See, our hearts need to love God more than anything that we have. And all he asks is if we'll just say yes along this journey. He just asks, will you say yes to me right now? I just have to ask right now, have you been struggling with your direction of where you're supposed to be? Have you been struggling with with doubt and discouragement because you've not had the proper placement and you've not seen the proper placement in a church? And you want to see that transform. Just raise your hand. Let me tell you right now, everybody needs to be up here raising their hands and I want to see the church in its proper placement. I want to see this church on fire for God because I want to see revival. And revival starts within my own heart. That's the function. See, if we would have that heart, we'll see God do it. So what we need to do right now is invite Him a little further. Let's just go to Him in prayer right now. Father, Lord, we thank You for what You're doing in this place. Lord, how you're exposing a truth of what we need to do within our lives, Lord, to see the church glorified. To see the church get your, or not be glorified, to see the church glorify you as we see it grow and see it become a place where it's an exalting platform for you. God, let it be a place where we can just come to you and we can worship you wholeheartedly with everything we have. But God, we need a heart transplant right now where we just come into a realization. It doesn't matter about a song. It doesn't matter about a sermon. It doesn't matter about a person sitting next to me. God, my heart has to be aligned wholeheartedly with you. God, touch our hearts and let them find out not about me. But it's about you. God, it's not about my discouragement, but it's about you. God, it's not about my dysfunction, it's about you. God, my purpose, it's about you. So God, I ask you to touch this congregation, Lord. 